ADHD or ADD, Asperger's or ASD, you're perfect. Aww. You're perfect. That's a nice one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to FM Fish, episode two. How you going? We made it to two. We did two whole episodes. Um, it's so good to be back. Um, we have got a fantastic episode for you guys today. It's a little bit different to the last one. But we have a wonderful, very talented um, occupational therapist, Rachel. Um, I keep saying, I actually introduced her in the beginning as our occupational therapist. She's not. We, we'd like to claim her, but she's not actually ours. I've never met her before. No, uh, she is fabulous. She is friend of the show, I reckon. Call her friend of the show. She yeah. is now. A friend of the show, Rachel. Um, we really enjoyed our talk with her. We learned a hell of a lot, actually, during that talk with her. So I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Um, it has been a hell of a few days. It has been massive. So, um, look, we've really, we've just been blown away by the incredible feedback we've been getting from the first episode. It has been a roller coaster of emotions. Very humbling to hear that. I mean, my goal was to at least you know, reach out and help one person, but yeah. we've had a lot of comments and that's really humbling to hear. Yeah, it's been incredible. We've had people, um, people who don't even know, like there's people who've listened in India. I don't know anyone in India, so that's kind of nice. Canada? Uh, the US. UK? Yeah, Australia, which is obviously where we are. That's where the biggest listenership is. So thanks guys. But we expected our friends to kind of listen. Like we didn't yeah. realise strangers would strangers have and engage and send messages and thank yous lovely messages it's been fantastic so um we're keeping an eye on our social media um we are going to be sharing them there some of that feedback please um like we said last time it's a bit gross but we do really really um you know encourage you if you enjoy the episodes if you think if you get something from them Chances are somebody else you know will as well. So please share, share on our social media. I love that lots of people have been um, have been making comments and as I say, sending me direct messages. It's just been sensational. So um, you cried. I did cry. I've cried several times. Happy tears. It's what we hope for, right? While we're figuring it out, we might as well bring other people with us. So yeah. Hey, now going into this um, episode, I just want to just just say, so like Lockie and I say, we're not professionals. We are working this out as well. We we go into everything, hopefully very open minded and try to be really kind with everything we do because we think that's really important. Um, but one thing that really occurred to me th at the after this, because we are recording this intro after the conversation with Rachel, you will know, <laughs> you'll notice there are multiple side quests during this. We we do commit at the end. We're going to come back to the conversation because we didn't wrap up the whole interplay between ADHD and autism. Not surprising. It's incredibly complex. I feel like the podcast in general, each episode is going to be a bit of a choose your own adventure. <laughs> choose your own adventure is the perfect way to describe it, I think. Yeah, so... Um, Look, we, I just wanted to make the note, look, as you go into this, uh, we've tried to be really inclusive on the language that we use, but you may find that you prefer different terminology. If, if you find that any of the language we use isn't quite right for you, you know, sit with that for a while and please don't come for us. As I say, we are, um, we're learning ourselves, but if there is any feedback, if there is, you know, if you're thinking, hey, actually, I prefer this kind of terminology, yeah. please feel free. Just, just Definitely send, us an email. send it through. Send it yeah. through because that way 
you know, we can learn on the way as well. Absolutely. And we can make sure that that what we do say and how we do communicate that is fair for everyone and is as inclusive as possible that's our aim so fmfish at gmail.com so please let us know so we are going to get straight right, into on it with the show oh, i will say um we did actually have some audio issues so please bear with that we tried a new tool in our editing kit to remove any background noise because when we added the third microphone it, it changed our sound um, I mean, one episode in and published, we're basically professional now. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but we tried this thing and it really makes my laugh sound weird. So, um, look, I apologize for that. It, bleh, it, was, it, it was a bit odd. And similarly, when we started recording this intro, we had to come back to it. You'll hear there is a there is one story, Lucky Toll. We've decided to keep it in, even though the audio is a bit crappy, just because it was actually bloody funny. And there was no point in trying to tell me it again because... You'll only, hear. I'm only funny once. Well, no, it's not. It's not that. It's that you can hear. I genuinely didn't know the story, and you're you're telling me, and I laugh my head off at it. Whereas if we tried to recreate that, it's not going to happen. Authenticity is what we're about. So, uh, yeah. So we've left it in there, which which means you get some white noise in the background of it. All right, crack on. Awesome. Have fun, guys. See you on the other side. Bye. Do you want to know how I spent my Friday morning? Um. Yeah. Sure. So, didn't sleep properly. Got up at five. Went to the gym. Stop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And on the way Smug. back yeah. from the gym, you know how you have the little. Button. Sorry, where did you go? I'm not. I'm not sure. We all got got it. You you went to the to the gym. To the gym. Yeah. At five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you know so how you press that button thing that makes the garage all go up. Yep. And I was like, it's raining. I won't make it go all the way up. I'll just press it halfway. Right. I didn't duck. <laughs> did I ran. you walk it? <laughs> I ran my face straight into the <laughs> door, knowing that I pressed the button to make it stop. <laughs> Muffet. That's how I started. Yeah, okay. Alright everyone, this week on F Them Fish, we are going to be talking with Rachel. She's our occupational therapist that we mentioned last week. Hey Rachel. Hello. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Thanks nice to be here. Oh, good. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're very excited, aren't we, Lockie? Very excited. Um, what we're going to realize, I've just realized, we're going to have to really make sure Lockie gets a chance to talk. <laughs> I'll just chime in at certain <laughs> points in time. Just include me. Are you going to do the thing where you just say a thing that doesn't make any sense? I'll just, that you I'll just sit in. Yeah. I'll just sit in the corner here and find yeah, my place. That's fine. Um, in the corner uh, is probably the right place for you. No one puts baby in the corner. <laughs> so um, anyway, we have Rachel here today. Rachel, we're really happy to have you. Thank you so much for coming in at very short notice. Um, so we are going to talk today about the uh, question that we had from one of our listeners. I'd like to say listeners, but we only had a trailer out at the time. One of our um, Facebook followers, um, they asked for us to do a, a bit of a talk about the interplay between ADHD and Asperger's. So, Rachel, could you um, introduce yourself? Let, um, let the listeners know who you are. What is your experience with ADHD and neurodivergence? Yeah, so quite extensive. So I'm an occupational therapist by trade. But I also got a late diagnosis of autism and ADHD in adulthood um, after having my son. Um, yeah, I would say extensive on both sides. Um, and one of my little hyperfixations has actually been on ADHD and autism. So happy to be here and talk about the interplay. It's really fascinating and very complex. 
Awesome. Thank you. And thanks for um, telling us one of the things, uh, just so people know, although I was aware Rachel was is neurodivergent, um, there's absolutely no expectation that anybody who talks to us discloses that. So thanks for sharing that one. And uh, Big part of my personality, and it makes a lot of things click and make sense in my head. So happy to, yeah, happy to identify with being neurospicy. Neurospicy. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a big part of me. So happy for people to know, but yeah. So the request was about ADHD and Asperger's, and I did wonder if that might be a really good place to start because, yeah. as we as I referenced last week, there have been some name changes. So can you tell us maybe a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I mean, look, as any diagnostic, well, I should say diagnosis, um, can evolve and change over time. Um, it's now autism spectrum disorder. It used to be a... Um, delineation between autism, which was seen as a more severe form um, with more, uh, I guess, high needs attached, as opposed to Asperger's, um, which is then the higher functioning side of things, which isn't the way of discussing either diagnosis anymore. Um, what we now consider both of them to be is autism spectrum disorder. So they used to kind of run on their own lines and it was kind of seen as a linear spectrum, but our lives are holistic. We are holistic people. We are very complex. So if you actually think of autism spectrum disorder, more of a color wheel of spectrum, um, that will encompass multiple facets of your life, of your functioning, of ability and disability and where you kind of require those extra supports. So you might have someone who is a little bit higher functioning in some areas and has higher deficits in other areas. Um, I don't like talking about deficits in that way as an OT. I like yeah. to be really empowering, but I guess if we're just talking about it as a definition, yeah. it's a really easy way to explain it. So if you think of it as a color wheel, you've merged autism and you've merged Asperger's as well. Yeah. Um, you're looking at this as an entire color wheel, an entire spectrum, and that is captured under autism spectrum disorder, which is now the DSM-5 diagnostic title. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. That's a really cool way of thinking about it, I yeah. think, with that color wheel. And DSM-5, for people who don't know? Uh, diagnostic uh, Statistics Manual 5. It's basically, uh, gosh, I, I probably got that I wrong. Googled. No, it is. I Googled is it? it because I wasn't quite sure. Oh. It's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual yep. of Mental Disorders. Yes. And number five, I'm assuming, means it's, it's the, the fifth, fifth edition. edition. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that one came out a few years back. Um, so that is, um, it's also in the fifth edition, they have encompassed more criteria for meeting diagnoses and it has actually allowed for more women to become diagnosed as well, which is a really fascinating little tidbit. It is. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. So what I'm hearing is that the diagnosis itself has grown and become more nuanced and become more as you say, people are whole people. They're rainbow people almost, mm -hmm. if we think that colour color wheel thing. Yeah. And actually there are bits and bobs that interweave and interlink and, and all those things. Yeah, Is so that you're, right? you're getting a lot more capturing of people who might have just struggled a little bit or thought that they were quirky for yeah. a long time, who are now actually being caught under a diagnosis and actually can then get support to right. function easier in life. It doesn't necessarily mean that their way of doing things is bad or wrong, but a neurodivergent person in a neurotypical world oftentimes has a harder time functioning. Mm -hmm. And 
the wider capture of diagnostic uh, diagnostic criteria does help for more people to be diagnosed, which is why we're seeing more trends in women being diagnosed, in adults being diagnosed who were overlooked when they were kids. And each version of that DSM that's come out has encompassed a little bit more and more and more, which is why we do start to see trends of more people being diagnosed. It's not just a trend. It actually goes along with a wider net that can capture people. Love that. Sorry, Lucky, I was going to say something, but you've been looking like you're desperate to say something too. And we should let you. No, I'm just interested in, is that, does that come down to that there's multiple things and you don't fit into all the categories. And so as people are now putting more time into the research, it's more acceptance around these capabilities that people have. Yeah. So I think your, your diagnosis can depend on how much support you require. So how much of this diagnosis actually leads to disability, which I don't identify with having a disability. I know that technically, diagnostically, it yeah. is. And it's important for people who do, right? That's Correct. okay. That That's absolutely okay. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't necessarily need to be seen as something scary yeah. or limiting or anything like that. And having a wider range of criteria to meet a diagnosis, you only have to meet so many of the the full body of criteria. So you don't have to tick all the boxes. Um, and you might require very minimal support in your life on any of those criteria. But if you meet them and you meet enough of them, you then have a diagnosis. And I guess for me on a personal basis, that led to an understanding of myself and an acceptance of myself, which yeah. I had never had before. And it allowed me to give myself a lot more grace just in my day-to-day -day life. Grace. That's mm. a beautiful way of looking at it. And really, so... Um, this week I, I did see something on Instagram actually. And what you've just said there was just kind of, it made me think of it again. And, um, it was, it was a bit of a snippet from, um, another podcast. So, um, Angie and Evie loved them on Gogglebox. Really, really cool people. They have a podcast called Two Girls in a Pod, I think it's called. And there was a snippet on Instagram and it was, um, you know, Angie was explained and now snippet. I want to say snippets are always taken out of context, right? Usually. Always. Yeah. Because they're supposed to drive traffic. So it's supposed to be controversial. So Angie did, she started, she said, look, I'm just going to say something that's probably a bit controversial. I'm probably seeing here, I might get this a little bit wrong, but she was basically saying, um, there's this really toxic trend of people going, oh my God, I've got like ADHD because it's trendy as opposed to it being a trend because mm -hmm. of the, like from a medical or statistical kind of sense, but that it was trendy and you've got, you know, all these girls just going out and filming themselves, having a manic episode. And she said that people actually just need to do the work. Oh, I think it was her that said do the work. It might've been someone in her comments. Um, but, you know, she was saying that it just doesn't seem healthy and then you know Evie was saying yeah you know it's not necessarily just young girls like it is everybody but there does seem to be a lot of young girls filming it um I think that's an algorithm thing to be honest because I have mostly guys in my um ADHD and in, in my yeah ADHD talk kind yeah. of feed I have mostly guys um but you know um I then so I I, I kind of like, so F them fish, we reached out and we messaged, we commented on it and we were like, hey, Angie, you know, I'd love to have a conversation about this because 
I think there's something missing here. And I think that this kind of narrative can be really damaging because, you know, women have got enough things we're told to shut up about. And and that, I didn't think it's that we were trying to be trendy. It's more like that we're Labradors who've all just been let off the leash and we're just kind of going, oh, my God, yeah, me too. Um, and she was so lovely in her reply. Like, she really was. And she said the snippet had been taken out of context. And I... I, of course I it absolutely has. assumed it would yeah. be but yeah she was super cool and I, this isn't uh having a go at her because she she you know that that's not what this is about but it is interesting because when you talk about trends we are seeing it. I've thought it myself like sometimes when I'm like it, it took me a long time we talked about it last week to come to terms with the idea of having ADHD because yeah. I was like oh hell no I'm I'm like smart and stuff like for some reason mm-hmm. I thought they were separate obviously they're not um and I, it took me a long time to come to terms with it. And then I was also seeing all these other people and I'd be like, oh, good. So if I mention it to anyone, you can almost see the eye roll. And I think that's what Angie was getting at. Yeah. As well as she was saying, like in a response, she said about um, self-diagnosis. Well, that's and a big one. That is a big thing that's happening. right? Yeah. And people have really got to not do that. That said, there is actually yeah. reason for it if you're yeah. looking at it professionally. Yeah. Okay, go. Uh, so yeah. with self-diagnosis diagnosis is really, really hard to come by. It's expensive. That's exactly what I was going to say. Wait lists are incredibly long. So you might realize that you have it. Yeah. Yeah. You might realize that you have it. You tick all the boxes, but you can't get in to see anybody. Yes. Um, Especially people in smaller towns, rural areas, Mm -hmm. might not actually have the resources or the people around them to be able to seek this diagnosis, might not have GPs who know where to refer to or will agree with them. And you're talking over $1,000. I mean, that's a lot of money for a lot of people. sometimes multiples of thousands of dollars if you need to go back a few times and have multiple sessions and explore histories and backgrounds. It's even more expensive for kids. Yes. It's like here in Canberra, Two and a half thousand dollars just to go to the psychologist and get like just to be able to get a label, let alone any of the assistance. Mm. Right. So a diagnosis is actually something that quite privileged people can access. If you are not privileged or have the right means to do so or you're not in the right place at the right time. You might not be able to get a formal diagnosis, Yeah. but if you identify with all of those tick boxes and you realize that these are things that I actually need to boost coping with, or I actually have a really hard time with this, or yeah, that that's me. Well, there's nothing stopping you from saying, yep, I'm neurodivergent in one way or another. I'd say you're not formally diagnosed, Mm -hmm. but you can identify with it. If that makes sense to you and it makes your life easier and it makes you accept yourself better, then why would you make your life any harder than deny yourself a diagnosis that makes sense? So I, yeah, I guess Mm -hmm. as a professional, a lot of the coping mechanisms that you can start to impart to make your life easier are not going to make or break your life if you are or are not neurodivergent. There are a lot of things that can just make anyone's life easier, but neurodivergent people, that will improve your quality of life tenfold. So without you know medication or seeing a psychiatrist regularly or things like that, there are heaps of things that you can do to improve your quality of life. And if you have a self-diagnosis, there's nothing stopping you from accessing those tools, you know, starting to use those tools yeah. and improving your life yourself. Do you think though, so I do want to sit on the fence a little bit here. Um, I had a bit of a rant about diagnosis and bullshit with regards to privilege last mm-hmm. week, and I want to do a whole episode on it. But um one of the things I do, I think there's a dark side to it. So I think there's the whole thing where people are like, uh, you know, they do, 
I don't want to say jumping on the bandwagon, but with ADHD, my understanding is, the way I've had it explained to me, mm-hmm. it will have started in childhood. Yes. And one of the first things a psychologist or my neurologist, the GP, one of the first things they listen for is for when people are like, ever since I was little, Mm -hmm. I've had this feeling. Or, you know, when I was a kid, my school reports always said, um, could do great if we'd just listen or pay attention. Or Callie just talks to me. Yeah, mine too. Callie is incredibly smart, but she's just (laughs) very disruptive (laughs) with all the talking. Um, Yeah, so, you know, so I think there's that. And I think sometimes when we see the TikTok stuff, and I'm going to say TikTok, and it sounds like I have a real thing. I don't. I don't hate TikTok. I love it. But I am concerned about it because yeah. when we see the people, the laundry one really gets me. My laundry is never, just, just quietly. I'm not trying to be smug here because when we talk about coping strategies, this is how I've done it. There is a price for every strategy. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying this is right for everyone. But like our laundry is never like just you know, piles and piles and piles of it, right? And yet people are then going around going, oh my God, I struggle with laundry too. I must have ADHD. Do you know what I mean? And so I think that's a real problem because there's a lot of bias. There's a lot of prejudice against having ADHD. And if you identify as that, you will come up against that at some point, right? So I think that's negative. I also think that as a person who is neurodivergent, and I think this is much worse the negativity or the constant deficit focus, and if you're self-diagnosing and you are actually neurodivergent and you're not getting that balance, oh yeah, that comes with the actual diagnosis and the access to all those yep. things you were talking about, to different supports, again, noting the privilege thing, I just want to put that there, then your reality is what you're seeing on TikTok. Yeah. And on TikTok, I feel so, I feel like I've got no agency. And so I wonder about that. And yeah. I know we've gone off down this massive tangent, but, you know, ADHD is Look, what we do. I, I think I agree with you in those regards. If you're focusing on, I have piles of laundry everywhere, oh, I must have ADHD. That's not a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. If you go through the DSM-5 and you look at those tick boxes for any type of neurodivergency that you might require a, a substantial amount of privilege to be able to get a formal diagnosis for... If you're actually looking at the diagnostic criteria, I think that will give you better grounds to self-diagnose if that is the option that you're left with and you're starting to identify with a few things. I would encourage people, if you're thinking, look, I think I might be neurodivergent, but I don't know because TikTok's telling me all of these things. Honestly, I explored my diagnosis because I went to my GP going, hey, um, I'm a new mom and I've been up at two in the morning breastfeeding all the time and I'm on TikTok constantly and TikTok's telling me that I might be neurodivergent literally the conversation that I approached her with. Um, And she kind of said, well, what are some of the things that you're experiencing? What are some of the traits that you're feeling like might be adding up to this? And I explained to her, you know, oh, I overthink things. And then you have a conversation, you go away and you think about that. And then, you know, um, and was that the right thing to say? And then you're really tired after really big social interactions because you're just trying to be everything at once. and And you know when that happens, right? And she looked at me blankly and she went, no, I actually don't know. I think I'm going to refer you. Right. Right. Okay. So that's not normal. That's not just me. Okay. Um, and I think that there, there's a point of validity in that. Yeah. 
I was fortunate enough to be able to go then go and seek a formal diagnosis. Yes. But that alone, she looked at me and validated all of those things and went, yeah, we're, we're going to refer you because I think we all know where this is going. Yeah. And it did lead me down this path of diagnosis, self-understanding, and without too much formal support at this point in time, enough support that I could understand myself. My husband understood me a little bit better and I understand myself as a parent. Um, and I know that's one of the things that you were saying in your intro is it's a really fascinating time to be diagnosed with a neurodivergency when you are in a, you know, long-term relationship or a marriage and you are a parent and you are a well-established human yeah. and all of a sudden your world's been absolutely turned upside down. So having those supports is crucial if you so are to just go down the TikTok, TikTok path yeah. and look at these things maybe as a deficits-based approach and you're not actually seeking professional assistance with all of this. It could yeah. potentially be dangerous. So mm -hmm. I think there is there is a danger to self-diagnosis, but if done correctly and you do have supports around you and you can understand this and you're actually looking at scientific data, evidence, and, you know, allied health supports that can be easily accessible and um, just, I guess, a adopted by yourself without a professional, and I can get into some of those things as well, yeah. then maybe it can assist your life, but you've got to be really careful with self-diagnosis. Yeah. That was really cool. I think we kind of like looked at both sides there because there's yeah. a little bit of dissonance around it, right? There is. There is a little bit. It's kind of, good, bad, and ugly. Yeah. You yeah. Kind of, so there's definitely good. Yeah. I think it's definitely good. And I think you're right because, I, no, no, I think you're right, but I do did see uh, you um, as a non-health professional, I think you might be right. Yeah. But again, so for everybody then who is listening, if you think you have ADHD, we did say this podcast is for someone who thinks they might have ADHD, not just people who've been diagnosed or you might know somebody with, or you might know somebody you think should be diagnosed. Um, <laughs> but if that is the case and you really are seeing those, if you are able to then look into if you even if you don't have the time the resources etc to pay for a diagnosis because there is a cost um but if you are then able to look into those positive strengths-based kind of coping absolutely. strategies then absolutely fantastic it's not gonna you. hurt no yeah that's awesome hey Lockie, how you doing doing well very well no i was thinking there's that fine balance we have between self-diagnosis because you watch all the social media but then that also gives people a voice as well because they've mm. been told their whole life that there's nothing wrong with them. And we're looking, it's an intergenerational thing. Yeah. You weren't allowed to have something wrong with you because that would look bad for your family or for your job or whatever was going, what was going to happen at the time. But now there's more acceptance and social media is so vast and so broad and everywhere that it gives people the opportunity to identify with something. And that's like a good starting off point. Mm. But then you also have to find that it is very important to actually go and look into some of these tick boxes to find out where you align and the things that um, are actually going to give you a proper diagnosis Yeah, because that's what's going to make things better in the long run for you. Yeah, absolutely. Personally, I would say if you're seeing a lot of these tick boxes and you are concerned, there's no harm having a conversation with maybe your GP to start out with and just say, look, I, I'm picking up on these vibes? What do we think? They're a great professional to just use as a, as a baseline sounding board. Um, and if they think that it's something that should be followed up and you have the means and the resources to do so, well, then maybe it's something to look into. But, you know, I'm, I'm not 
equipped to guide anyone on this. I'm not yeah. equipped to make any decisions for anybody, but I guess just from my own experience, that was a great pathway. And it was a very non-confronting pathway because it just kind of let me dip my toe in one little bit at a time. And, and I slowly kind of got comfortable with the idea so that by the time I actually got my diagnosis, I was like, yeah, I expected that. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't a huge shock. And I guess the important thing is too, which is something I mentioned last week to Kelly, is it, it's, it doesn't change who you are as a person. It's your level of normal. Mm. And your level of normal to whoever's listening to each individual is okay. Mm. It doesn't change you because you're not the same as somebody else. Right. It actually empowers you to continue on your, I guess, discovery of how to cope and mm. things like that. And also like today I also did some Googling because I know nothing about the interplay between Asperger's and ADHD. So it's important for me to have a look at a few things. And I found some rubbish articles. Oh, yeah, that, there's some terrible, some, if you don't know how to do yeah. proper desktop research, like if you don't know the articles you need to get rid of, mm -hmm. then you can really go down yeah. the QAnon kind of. One of the awesome mm -hmm. things I found was like oh. uh, those, I don't know there's a proper name for them, but it had two wheels of autism and ADHD, and as they merged. Oh, the diagram. Yeah, and, and it had the whole center alignment of things. I'm like, Kelly, 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 Kelly. <laughs> but that's, you know, in things like that, 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 that make you up as a person you are, you know, mm. the, the distraction, the the hyperactivity, the the work focus, things like that. Yeah. Um, whereas another article I read um, had, if you have ADHD, you need less supports. If you have autism, you need all the support. And I was like, that's, that's so inaccurate. Just so like, even, even for me with like limited information. I was like, that's, that's incorrect. They're two completely separate diagnoses. Yeah. Um, they are quite often comorbid with one another. So, I mean, a fun fact about these co-occurring, co-occurring conditions. Um, so for example, if you have autism or any type of neurodivergency, right, you have a higher chance of having things like autism with ADHD, um, potential, um, a higher chance of having epilepsy, depression, anxiety, oh, hypermobility. Yeah, yeah. All of these little things can co-occur. However, they are completely separate diagnoses. And if you have multiple, you might have different diagnoses at different levels. So yeah. you might require more supports for your ADHD traits and yeah. less supports for autism traits. Yeah. And vice versa, or whatever it might be. So, yeah, I think you're right. And definitely questioning what is out there as resources. Um, That's that negative aspect, though, right? When absolutely. someone reads that and they go, "There's, you need more support, there's something wrong with me. No, 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 there's something right with you. Yeah. And now let's build on that and let's learn more about what that right is. Right. And that's what I'm saying. That's your level of normal. And that's where we need to well, go with that. This is what occupational therapy kind of strives to look at. So there's the ableist view of disability where disability is exactly that. It is a disability. It is wrong. It is difficult. It is, you know, making your life so much harder and all of these really negative connotations. Yeah. Yeah. So as you were just saying, Lockie, like it, it the diagnosis doesn't change me in any way. It's allowed me to understand and come to terms with these little quirks that I've always had my whole life. Yeah. Those report cards that I had for years going, yeah. oh, she's a bit easily distracted, but her schoolwork's great. And when she's really fascinated in a subject, you know, A plus all the way, but she's a bit chatty. None of that changes. It yeah. just all makes sense. And yeah. so I allow myself to go through life with a bit more grace for myself in those things. Yeah. I don't necessarily see it as, as a disability. Other people might. And it's whatever works for you exactly. to come to terms yeah. with yourself and how you best function. That's just my personal take on it. But 
if you're consider considering kind of an ableist view versus a holistic view of a person, this is where OT really comes into play, um, is that as occupational therapists, our job is to encourage optimal functioning in the world, despite any barriers that might be in your way, right? So as I guess the best way to consider if, if you're not familiar with OT, a lot of people are familiar with physios, right? Yeah. Most people have gone to see a physio. Yeah. They're wonderful. Um, a physio will work on your body to make your body function for what it needs to do yeah. better. And OT is going to look at the flip end of that and go, okay, your environment is not conducive to your functioning. What do we need to do to your environment to help your body function and your brain function? Okay. So you're looking at a lot of, um, I guess, outside things that you can bring into your life to help you function better. So when you're looking at a neurodivergent person operating in a neurotypical world, we have a lot of barriers. So you can look at things like sensory sensitivities, executive dysfunction, um, repetitive behaviors and stimming, which can be those things that will help you to cope, but are seen as weird yeah. Right. So you, <laughs> yeah. so you mask. And I guess, I don't know if you've discussed oh, masking yet. Not, not as much as we need to. Look, yeah. masking as, as very briefly, it is doing your best to fit in with the vibes that you're getting in yeah. the situation. And it's um, about trying to be normal. Yeah. Right? And it's about, and I think that's something that I, I just love from what you're saying is what I'm hearing is, and certainly, oh, I'm not saying this well, but <laughs> being in a good place with ADHD and, um, you know, maybe autism spectrum disorder as well, but is not about being as appear, being able to appear normal no. or act normal. No, no, not at all. It's not. No, that's right. No, it's, it's embracing those little, if I can call them quirks, because that's kind of how I refer to them yeah. for myself. But it's embracing those little quirks and knowing what you need to do to function optimally to get the things done that you need to do, yeah. but then allowing yourself that grace to just be yourself yeah. when you are able to, which should be at any point. But obviously there there are times and places where we will probably tend to mask more. Yeah. Um, places like, you know, work, schools, certain social outings that might have large groups of people who you're not familiar with. You know, those you're closer to, you typically take that mask off. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that can also be another reason we can get into this at another time, but why females are often misdiagnosed or not diagnosed at all, because females, I guess, um, typically will mask more than males. Yeah. So um, learning how to take that mask off if you don't have a diagnosis, it's, it's not necessarily a safe space and you're often missed in a diagnostic. You can take that mask off and feel comfortable with yourself and whatever yeah. you need to do. So allowing when, you know, when safe to do so, when you feel safe to do so, allowing stimming behaviors, as long as they are not harmful. Can um, you explain what stimming yeah, might be? Yeah, so stimming is know. things that could be repetitive behaviors, rocking, um, twiddling your hair, um, different, you know, feeling different textures. Um, I guess, you know, the 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 classic example is the child at school that sits in a corner and rocks back and forth or um, children who, yeah, well, children who tend to um, like hit their heads into walls just for some sensory feedback, yeah. they're either not receiving enough sensory input or they're receiving too much. So covering eyes, covering ears, um, 
saying repetitive words over and over to drown out other noises. Um, and that can go along with a lot of sensory issues. But yeah, picking at the skin around your fingernails, um, something that you can see a lot of adults doing um, because it's a more socially acceptable one. Mine is if I get shellac on my nails, it only lasts a day or two oh because goodness. I pick it all off. I can't wear nail polish because of that. If I sit in a meeting more than an hour, my nail polish is gone. Yeah. So yeah. are those things, are those um, kind of stimming, is that more of like a overstimulated sensory thing? Or is that or a, under. And that, well, that was my other point, yeah. is the, the um, self-soothing kind of trying to reset This yourself. is exactly what stimming is. It is self-soothing. You, yeah, yeah, nailed it. So... It can be any range of things. You also have those like little poppers. You've got fidget spinners. You've got people who twirl pens, people who click pens, things mm. like that. Um, you know, other, another one for me, which drives my husband insane, is when I crack my knuckles. Oh, you and did I, that the other day and I was like, did you just crack your fingers? You did. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, and it's every time I have to then focus on something, it is it is. Unless someone points it out, I have no idea I'm doing it. And I, it's right before I get to typing something or whatever. Mm. And I don't know I do it anymore, but it almost then puts me in the zone. Um, so it is, it kind of will, stimming will regulate your your sensory processing. So um, people can become dysregulated with things like not enough noise. So they might have headphones in all the time with background noise. Um or too much noise. So maybe noise canceling headphones, things like that, or they like to find a quiet space. Too much light, not enough light, too much color, not enough color. Anything can sit anywhere. And this is where we say neurodivergencies are such a spectrum because you can sit anywhere on that spectrum and find something is too much or too little on any type of um, sensory input. So I don't like loud noises, but I like um, like deep touch. So a really firm hug or a weighted blanket or something that really will ground me. I don't like light touch, but I don't like loud noises. So not everything has to be turned up to a hundred for me to enjoy it. Yeah. I need kind of a perfect mix, right, yeah. of things. So stimming will help you to counterbalance all of those different sensory mm. inputs that you're getting throughout the day. The touch thing's interesting. Mm. I've always hated. You know, people when you do that little swirly thing with your finger on your back, and oh, kind of, I was like, oh, no, touch. I hate it. I hate yeah. it. Light touch is the worst. worst. If someone put a feather down my arm, oh, I would I hate it. it. No, yeah, squirm. I hate, hate it. Too. Hate it. Hate it. I just want to join in and hate stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's literally got to the point where. Um, yeah. I'd be like, it hurts. I need yeah. you to not it actually do this. Painful. Yeah, it's yep. painful. Yep. Um, but again, um, not that's... something. And it was something. Die. I, I reckon that might have been one of the things. Doctor Die. Sorry, our GP. <laughs> um, that she because I was like, my skin hurts whenever. It does, yeah. Or Lockie might. Have, I can't remember. And that was one of the things she mentioned. As and that's well. like a hard thing for me to understand because touch is my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, you know, any little light touch, any touch, like I thrive off that. That. You it's know, like your that, love that, language. That, that hits, yeah. Yeah. And make makes all like the fibers of my brain kick off and yep. just, you know, that those little things. And that's really hard to unlearn. And I think that's, you know, that conversation where it'll come in later as well, talking about um how partners and how they, they focus and how they fix, is that I 
had to unlearn that. And that's mm. really difficult thing for me. Yeah. Well, it might not even have to be unlearning, but unlearning certain types of touch. Mm. So if I'm just going to assume here, if you don't like light touch, you might prefer deeper pressure. Yeah. So like a firmer grab, a solid I hug, to weighted blanket. Chinese burns because I used yeah. to really love Chinese burns. Right. So mm. if you, if you respond to deep pressure more rather than light touch. And I feel a bit weird. Right? <laughs> These things that come up and you go, oh, God, that makes a lot of sense. Like you're saying, you know, with the, the, the psychologist that will delve into your childhood. Yeah. Yeah, it comes up a lot. But um, you might then have to, like, as partners, you might have to learn that touch is still okay, but it has to be deep touch. It has to be deep pressure. Um, and there's, there's, you know, no more coming up and just rubbing a hand gently down a back. Absolutely not. No, but that. it might be coming up and sque firmly squeezing someone's shoulders instead. So it'll give, you know, one person the feedback that they need and the other person the touch that they require. And it, it could be a fine balance. Now, I'm not here yeah. to fix anything. I was going to say, we're going into marriage therapy. This is awesome. Can we change the subject? This is out of my scope. <laughs> but it's important. I guess it's important too. And, and as you understand that, as you both are speaking, it's like these are things that. I don't feel and they mm. don't trigger me. And so having to, um, I guess, regulate that within myself because, you know, when you are in a partnership with someone or you do know people who have these um, triggers, you do have to be aware of what you're doing mm. because I will just walk past and just do that light touch and it's not like I'm going, I'm going to piss you off right now. Watch this. No. It's just the way my brain works. Mm. I just, just put that touch in. Mm -hmm. And I go from, I'm a happy little person. Get off me! It's nothing is ever out of malice, but if you approach us with in the wrong way at the wrong time, and if there are other things that might be overstimulating us, yeah. the end of the world might yeah, happen. Absolutely. Um, so it's really fascinating. I mean, look at night to help me sleep, and this is a thing my husband also hates. I have a um, a weighted blanket. Same. Yeah, it was actually the kids, and I'm I I stole it. <laughs> I totally get it. Um, but I have to sleep with that on the bed. But he says that it kind of creates a bit of a wall between yeah. us because it just shuts off. It's so heavy that it, it closes off half the bed. So he'll go to kind of like snuggle up to me in the night and he'll say, I can't even get in because your weighted blanket's right and there and like, it's just yes, cocooning you. I love the cocoon personally. More than uh, one so good reason for having it. <laughs> stick a leg out. That's it. And then three, know. two, one, cuddles over. Yeah. And done. Yeah. Weighted blankets is a great one if you like deep pressure and you need yeah. that grounding. Um, a weighted blanket is wonderful. Um, just be aware, I guess, if I'm just going to put this PSA out here is like the one professional thing that I'm saying today is that be aware that there are different weights of blankets mm -hmm. that are safe and yes. are would be effective for your size, your weight, um, and your requirements. So actually, there are resources, really valuable ones online that will tell you if you plug in your data um, your, you know, your weight, your requirements, all of this, even your age, there are certain age groups that should never use weighted blankets. Um, so they're a great resource, but you need to use them correctly. There are definitely ways you can find out what weight is right for you as well so that you can actually use it safely. I think any type of coping, especially when you're in a marriage and you're in established relationship and all of that, that, you know, there's going to have to be compromises on both sides, which is really difficult for both parties. So yeah. it's a whole extra level of navigating a diagnosis in adulthood. Yeah. And um, I guess if we bring it back to that whole ADHD and um, Asperger's um, slash ASD conversation, it's interesting to think about 
if there are maybe conflicts sometimes, you know, between oh God, the, the two time. diagnoses. Like, I, I, I guess... My it... head's a war zone, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> to put it lightly. There, I mean, the most basic one is that, that ADHD is I am everywhere all at once. Yeah. Right? And I want to do everything all at once. Yeah. And everything is a little bit scattered. Um, I'm late to things. I will own up to that. My time management is dreadful. If I gave in completely to my ADHD, my house would be a wreck mm-hmm. and there would just be things everywhere and doom boxes everywhere mm-hmm. and just whatever. If I gave into my ASD all the way, everything would be as neat as a pin. Everything would have a place. It would have to be in its place at all times. And I live in this conflicted little world of something's out of place and it's bothering me, but I do not have the executive function to put it back where it needs to be right now. Right. Yeah. Um, little bits of mess bother me, but if I have the capability, I will immediately put it away and I will give into that annoyance a little bit more. And if I don't have the capability, then it's going to sit there. But then the autism struggles in a tug of war and for days or however long this lasts that I don't end up picking this one thing up, it will eat me to my core. I just had visions of you. Honestly, when you're explaining like the battle between the two and I could like had this vision of you um, like at the end of the day, settling in pajamas, weighted blanket on. And then you're like, now brain sleep. Nope, 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 this nope, is exactly nope, my nope, life. nope, nope, nope. And that pile of clothes there needs to go away tomorrow. And I'm just trying to sleep. And what is, you know, that extra water bottle still doing on my nightstand? I should really take that back to the kitchen. I can't be bothered now. I'll do that first thing in the morning. And then you can't wind down because you have that pestering thought of, I still need to take that to the kitchen. And it's constant. It's everything. It's not just things at home. It can be workloads. It can be, you know, you don't have the the focus or the, like it keeps coming back to executive function to maybe read through an extensive dry document, but you know that it's important. So then the ASD side is so nitpicky and perfectionistic and all of these things. But then the ADHD side is, ah, we'll just scan it and all oh, that's really fascinating. And then you are completely diverted to something that you are more interested in. And there's a complete tug of war when you're just trying to get something done for maybe professional reasons that you're constantly fighting within yourself. And those things, those tasks might take you so much longer because you're also fighting this internal battle of wanting everything to be perfect and, you know, the best of the best. And you want to excel and you want to show that my understanding, the work that I've put in, all of this is perfect and only present a neat little package. And then the ADHD might prevent you from doing that. Um, and it's really, really tough. Really tough. So you're in our house at the moment. Mm-hmm. How would you describe the general state of our house, except for Lockie's ukulele up there, which is out of place, and the kids' things over here that are out of place? Um, like you've only been downstairs, but I say it it actually reminds me a little bit of my house. Everything is neat. Everything has a place. And then there's random little things, little little knickknacks around. But I, for me, that's comforting. Yeah. Because that makes sense in my brain. So my GP, you know, I've told I'm not ready to have the ASD conversation for a while <laughs> yet. Um, but you've, <laughs> you've made, I sat here going, fuck. I might need to because Mm. what you've just said. So when I talk about coping strategies, like I have 
lots and lots of coping strategies. But now you're making me think they're just autism training. <laughs> Oh shit! They interplay together. The two diagnoses do interplay. Color is color coded. Um, I wanted to mention how in awe of that I am earlier, but then I thought that that would be a weird compliment. Um, No, I've already decided. I'm redoing it. I'm redoing it because it's it's aesthetically very pleasing at the moment, but also it's bothering me that it's not in alphabetical order. Okay, so so my bookcase is alphabetical. Mine used to be, and Mm -hmm. then I went. You know what? I use my Kindle. I don't actually read any of these books really anymore, so I'm going to make them look pretty instead. Um, and so I put them in color order. But now it's been like that for about year and a half, two years, maybe. And I'm just like, nah, it needs to be redone. The other day I started pulling books off and I was like, stop it. I've got 10 minutes till my next meeting. I have to put them all back on. That's on executive dysfunction. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. literally in in our house, um, if we have a thing and it doesn't have a cupboard or a drawer Mm -hmm. to go into or a shelf Mm -hmm. that it goes onto, um, Lockie has to build build one or we get rid of it. Like, okay. legitimately, have you seen I don't have anything in this talk house. about like doom boxes. Yeah. Okay. So when things don't have a place, you just find a box and you put it in the box. You go, I'll deal with it later. And yeah. then it's a box just of random crap that you yep. can't be bothered to then go mm. through because it's just so random. It will take no, too long. I have a shed. <laughs> yeah. So it could be a doom room. Um, but for me, I've got little doom piles around yeah. and it has random highlighters, pens, notes, fidget toys. Yeah. Papers, everything everything um you know broken pieces of my kids toys that i'm like "Ah, i can't deal with that right now and it goes into one little box and then i go i'll put that in my closet and i'll deal with it later when i'm doing a full sweep and then the asd kicks in and my room needs to be perfect the doom boxes go away and then we move so many years later i see it and most of it gets tipped turns out not everyone has those um See, I love one of my favorite things to do ever is organizing. Yeah. I love it. Like we stayed in a few people's houses while this one was being built a couple of years back and literally everybody's house I stayed in. I was like, is it okay if I do your pantry? Mm-hmm. And like <laughs> reorganized everyone's pantry. I have a filing cabinet, a big one, old school filing cabinet in our shed. If I'm like really overwhelmed with life, I'll go outside and I'll just sort it. Yeah. And it is so soothing and so calming. Poor child, though, um, she did say to me the other day, she said, can we not always give my stuff away to other children? <laughs> Just because I haven't used it for a little while. <laughs> and I'm like, well, not using it. It needs to go now. There are other children who need things. And she's like, yeah, but it... And I'm like, well, find a drawer for it. If there's a drawer for it, if there's, there's a space for it, and I don't have to see it. Then yeah, well that's where I get a doombox. It makes me think of doom. <laughs> like her various toy things make me think of doom boxes. That's what they are. Yeah, there yeah. you go. No, I'm the same as you. I like organizing, and this is where I think. Um, and I, I will not be the one to encourage a diagnosis here. Um, that is not my role. But um, I love organizing. But it's when things start to get out of control and the anxiety kicks in mm-hmm. that I find the ADHD takes over. Quite often, though, I think it is the ASD that likes to rule my life in that I want things to be organized. I want things to be color coded. Um, You might have seen that I have notes scattered everywhere. Yes, they are scattered, but they are all color coded. Mm -hmm. And that color coding... I am looking at Usually that. has a key. I just see the key. I'm like, that is next level. That is ASD. I will draw your attention to my post-it notes. Yeah. They are color-coded. Mm-hmm. And not only are the notes color-coded, they are actually the pen on, or the color ink on the note mm-hmm. is also color-coded. Mm-hmm. These ones, I they 
they're deliberately not colour-coded because they're not staying long-term. <laughs> There's a photo I did when we were planning for this um, this uh, podcast and Lockie wrote a couple of post-its on yellow and I'm like, that, that is incorrect. It's the only thing that was there. I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Would yeah. you say with the dying, I don't like the word diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. Lockie, I don't like it. Pick that. Why do you? Why are you? I just feel it like it sounds hard. negative. Can we call it like the diagnosis? <laughs> like I just want to make it positive. Like, like oh, you've got a diagnosis. Now I've got a diagnosis. Oh, I don't know. Can we make that word mm. happen? It is now. You've heard oh, it. Yeah. It's like Mean Girls. What was Stop it? trying to make that happen. Trying to make it happen. Um, do you find that they? Like the, the two diagnoses, they, they conflict <laughs> against each other or do they do they almost complement? Like it depends on the day. It depends on the day. It depends on the situation. It depends on my overall functioning and I guess my mental health state as well. Um, so if things are if things are going really well, things are gelling, you know, then I find that they actually complement each other so beautifully. And there's a lovely balance between... Um, I won't go overboard on either either one, right? So I might be fun and a little bit quirky and maybe let my let let the quirks come out and I'm the life of the party. Um, but I'll also remain responsible and I will get all of the chores done in the house and I'll make sure everything is neat and tidy, but I'll do it while, you know, belting out some Broadway songs and having a great time. If things are not going so well, if my supports aren't in place, if I've been really bad with letting some of my coping strategies drop, then I find it is more of a tug of war. And there's definitely a war going on in my head. Um, and it makes getting through most tasks very difficult. And if I can get through it, I am wiped at the end of it. I was going to say that. Like, that's got to be soul destroying, so mentally draining that by the end of the day, you just, you get to take your mask off and be what appears to everyone else as normal, but it's not the way you should look at it. Mm. The way you cope on a day is your level of normal for that day. Yeah. And that's going to shift from day to day because some days, like you said, you, your coping mechanisms are in place and everything's mm -hmm. going well. Other days your mental health state might be down a little bit and you might be affected by that, but that's your level of normal for the day. Yeah. And that's okay. And it can also change hour to hour. So I, a, another trait of, of ASD that I definitely carry with me is I like predictability. I like routine. I like certainty. And if something blindsides me, if something changes massively, I do have a hard time with change. And I recognize that personally, professionally. I, it's a critique that I quite often get and I am conscious of it. And I work on it. Oftentimes I can take a step back, manage it, roll with it but it will knock the wind out of me for a moment. So it can affect my day. If I'm already not in a great position and that occurs and there's a huge change that's out of my control, it's going to take longer for me to process and I'm probably going to have a bigger reaction to it or a more negative reaction. And so it depends on the day and on how well I can roll with punches that I know will normally affect me. That's, um, I think, so... I think we're going to have to come back to this because I'm looking at time and we have taken up an awful lot of your day. Um, and yet I feel like we've barely scratched the surface, which makes sense because these are two incredibly complex conditions. Massively so. Sitting within the incredibly complex ecosystem that is the human mind. Mm -hmm. And then you have all the societal stuff on top of that. Um, I think the TLDR thing that I'm hearing about that interplay with autism and ADHD is that 
you know, ADHD is like, no routines or boundaries, all the things. Absolutely. And, you know, autism can be like, uh, autism spectrum disorder, ASD can actually be like, um, all of the routine and neatness and orderliness and preciseness, please, thank you very much. Yeah. And also, can everyone just be quiet? Yeah, and it's chaos versus structure. Chaos versus structure. It's the yeah. way better way of putting it. That's well, why you're the professional. I liked your explanation. <laughs> But I, I think it definitely does. Um, and it's it's going to fight with one another. But I think it also, in a weird way, keeps me in check as a person. And yeah. I find that it oftentimes does provide a really cool balance. And yep, it comes with cool, you know, funky quirks. Some people don't like it. Some people do. And you, you know, figure out who you need to surround yourself with who will accept those little quirks. I don't mind the diagnosis at all or the diagnosis. The diagnosis. I'll make fetch happen. It's winning. It's winning. <laughs> um. But I do think it, it allows for some level of understanding, yeah. like I said, and it allows me to give myself a little bit more grace in my life, as I've said before. Yeah. But there's definitely an interplay and it will change day to day, hour to hour, and it can be the best thing in my life and or it could be the biggest obstacle that I have to get through at any given time. Last question. But will you come back and talk to us? That's not the last question. Will you come back and talk to us again? Heck yeah. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Um, we will go a little bit further into this subject. But last question, do you find people are a little bit more accepting of your ADHD diagnosis than an autism one? Fun fact, I usually tell people I'm open to telling people I have ADHD because I do find it is more widely accepted. I very rarely tell people that I have autism and I think um, if anyone knows me uh, personally and listens to this podcast, I dare say this is going to be a surprise for you to hear that I do have autism. And it may be a surprise to hear, and you might st take a step away and go, oh, I know her. Yeah, that, that completely tracks. But I oftentimes don't tell people because of the stigma around ASD that I find is no longer necessarily carried as much with ADHD. I don't know why. I haven't really thought about it too much. Yeah. Um, and it's it could become a personal thing as well because I don't tell people half yeah. of my diagnosis. But it does feel like there's it's not as accepted yet and it still feels like autism is ooh, the scary one. I don't think it's as well understood. I think you're right. At all. Because that's what fear is, right? It's things you don't understand. Yeah. And, you know, like reflecting on it is I that's why I it took me four years to have the ADHD conversation mm. with my GP. And I haven't yet, even though she started the ADHD and autism conversation pretty much simultaneously. Mm. She asked me again the other day about, she said, are you ready to have the autism conversation? <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it? That yeah. We do feel that. So, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna um, flap up, like I said last week, and I'm going to, you know, put my big girl pants on and I might have a look at this one. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is, Thanks for having me on. This has been amazing. And um, hopefully other people have really got something interesting out of this. Like, I, I feel like I've just learned heaps. It's not just the interplay between ADHD and autism because we actually went off on a few other places. Mm -hmm. I did warn everyone that that's what happens. If oh. you get ADHD people in a room or neurodivergent, neurospicy, I think you called it, oh, it's people in a room, we are not staying on topic, people. So I don't think I've spoken much <laughs> about my professional background whatsoever. Um, and that's okay because yeah. I think we spoke about what we needed to talk about. I think so too. And when we come back on, we are definitely going to do that though. Like that strengths base, that whole oh, thing. Yeah. I want to get you in for that. Definitely. I think I think like a discussion on that occupational therapy and tools that can be put into place and those sort of things would be a really fun discussion 
that was the plan mm. for today. But, it sure um, was. We just uh, we just diverged. We just ADHD that. <laughs> Tangent, but yeah. yeah. Well, thanks, Rachel. We will bring you in again soon. We might have to make this a monthly thing. I don't know. Can we push the bounds of friendship? Yeah. But yeah, cool. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This was great. Okay, everyone. So that closes episode two. Thank you all for listening. Sorry about the horrible start with the um recording, but the story was too good to put in the bin. It was a bit naff, but story was good. Um. It was amazing to have our first guest in. It really was, actually. How good was it? Not just us. Very different to the first episode. I hope people liked it. Let us know, though. Like, it's the second episode, honestly. We could throw the whole thing in the bin and start completely over, if you think. I feel like we were natural hosts. I actually quite enjoyed it. I feel like I could be a talk show host. The Cali Show. No. Mm. Not the 90s, is it? Mm, I'm no one sidekick. Uh, I mean... I don't know. Mm. Let's ask the audience. What do we think? Is Lockie my sidekick? Mm, feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm Batman, you're Robin. Well, I just can't believe, actually, going back to um, Rachel, I actually cannot believe that prior to 2013, you could not be diagnosed to, before that change in the DSM-5, that, that you couldn't be diagnosed with both ADHD, ADHD and autism. How bonkers is that? And in fact, sorry, it would have been ADHD and Asperger's at the time. So there's potentially a whole bunch of people who got diagnosed prior to 2013 that could have comorbidities that weren't even considered. <laughs> Just blows your mind. Crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it blows your mind. Hell the way things are still developing and changing and shifting, but hopefully some of that's for the good now. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we are going to come back, as you say. We will. That was part one. Had to be. Yeah, part one. We will come back to it. Look, we know... We hear this. We'll hear it again when we edit it. Hashtag side quest. Going to be a thing. Um, it's just going to happen. Get it ain't easy it. being ADHD. Oh, God, I hate you. You're welcome. <laughs> so if you're scrolling through the socials, uh, remember to like and share F Them Fish ADHD for adults on Instagram and Facebook. Tell your neighbour, tell your nan about the podcast. And we're even on the TikTok now. We're on the Tiki Toki. Mm. We really are. I know. TikTok was made for... Women in their 40s, I've decided, seriously, making us the dicks of ourselves on there. So please go on over, have a little look. And definitely keep sharing your comments to our email address, fthemfish at gmail.com. If you have any stories, I've actually just put a question out on TikTok as well. What criticism did you get as a child and what effect has that had on you as an adult? I'd be interested to hear. Shove that in our emails send us a DM or get on the TikTok and, um, and answer that. If you do it with a video on there, it's actually quite fun. New hyperfixation, not going to lie. Spending far too much time on there at the moment. There was a reason I didn't go on there. That mm. was a reason. As we said before, we do actually now need to be those people who are saying, hey, if you like this, press the like button or follow, rate us on Spotify. These things really do make a difference. I used to hear all my um, like all my favourite creators. Wow, that made me sound like a wanker. All of the people who made the podcast that I love listening to going on about it, it really makes no difference to you, but it makes all the difference to us. It really does, actually. Turns out, just like in a restaurant, people only go into restaurants if they're already busy. Nobody goes in their empty restaurant. It's the same on social media, it turns out. So- Please, somebody like our post more than mum. Well, thank you so much, everyone. We've really enjoyed chatting. We hope you enjoyed it. As I say, please let us know what you thought about this type of format. 
we are going to keep doing these um, chats where we have other people in. If you want to be on the podcast, please reach out. Let me know. Fthemfish at gmail.com. You may have a really incredibly interesting story. At the moment, we're trying to figure out what on earth to do for episode three. So if you've got any ideas, hit us up. Okay, look, we're going to call it there. So thank you so much, everyone. Uh, we look forward to speaking to you next time. We really hope to see some of you on our socials. Come on the TikTok and see. Honestly, you cannot leave me hanging on the TikTok. I'm going to keep saying it. I feel like I'm there. Done a high five. Nobody's high fiving back. I'm just hanging, hanging up there, waiting for someone to smack my hand. But yeah, thanks, guys. See you soon. Bye. Daranuna, Dara Nunawal, Yangu Nalamanyin, Dunimanyin, Nunawawari, Darawari Dindi, Wangara Lijinyin. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Nunawal and Yambri people, and we pay respect to Mother Earth, the footprints that came before us, the ones we follow now, and the footsteps that will guide us long into the future.